This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 287. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rentschler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Well, hello and welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach. We have a great show for you today. You know, I love doing all of the shows for the Star Coach Show. I love focusing on building your business and how you have to be able to sustain yourself and hopefully have the kind of lifestyle you really want to be able to continue to bring your great work into the world. I am a huge believer in the power of coaching in organizations and how we can use coaching in our leadership style and love doing shows around all those organizational issues. But I think something that makes the Star Coach Show unique and hopefully super valuable for you is also having coaches bring their coaching expertise to the show. Having experienced, masterful coaches come on the show and say, this is how we coach. This is how we engage. Do you get distracted by chatter? Let's talk about how to do that. Are you worried about the next question to ask instead of being focused on the client? Let's talk about how we want to engage with that. Do I have habits that are actually pushing my clients away? Or am I getting triggered by things that are distracting me from the session? What do I do about that? That is exactly what we're going to be talking about today with Master Certified Coach Donna Zajan. Donna has been on the show before, actually early on, she was in episode 42 and 44, where she talked about the empowerment dynamic in one of those episodes. And in the other episode, she talked about how we need to stop rescuing our clients and start coaching them. This is an incredibly powerful addition to those two shows. Donna's just released a book, Who Do You Want to Be on the Way to What You Want? Coaching with the Empowerment Dynamic. We are going to talk a lot about her book, but in the reference to what you as a coach do when you get up against some of these common obstacles. So we're really giving you tips and strategies and tools to apply to your coaching that you could apply immediately to increase the mastery of your coaching. She actually received the Washington State Excellence in Coaching Award in 2017. Her concern for the world drew her to politics, where she served three terms in the Oregon legislature and was actually her party's nominee for Secretary of State even. So she is well-versed, is out there doing great work in the world. She fully embraced professional coaching in 2001, so it's been over 20 years that she's been a coach, and later joined her business partner, David Emerald, in their Three Vital Questions and the Empowerment Dynamic Leadership Training, Coaching, and Facilitation. 
Donna lives in the Pacific Northwest. She has been such a friend to the show and such an incredibly wonderful resource for me and what we bring forward here. So I want to thank Donna for being here. And I want you to get in front of the great lessons that she's going to teach today. So let's go to my interview with Master Certified Coach Donna Zajan. Donna, welcome back to the Star Coach Show. I have been looking forward to visiting with you again. You've been up to important things. Yes, thanks, Meg. Great to be back. I am excited on many different levels. Anytime I get an opportunity to talk with you, I'm excited about that anyway. The work that you do around the empowerment dynamic, around a new book that you've written, I want to congratulate you on that. Who do you want to be on the way to what you want. How cool of a title is that? (laughs) And so we decided that we were going to have a conversation about the chatter that we get going on in our own minds, how we show up to partner with our clients, you being a master certified coach and have been doing this for years, have your perspective. I just want to have a conversation about that if you're open to that. Absolutely. That's the best way. Let's just let's just have a conversation on our way to that conversation. Let's start with you telling us just a little bit about what you're doing right now and what lights you up about that. Thanks, Meg. Well, you know, I would say since I was a teenager, I have been really interested in our consciousness, who we are as human beings, how we think, how we make meaning. And from psychiatric nursing to time and politics to raising three children, 20 years ago, I found coaching and I immediately felt that it brought all parts of me together. And and so what I've been doing mainly in the last 10 years is partnering with David Emerald and our work around the Center for the Empowerment Dynamic. And I certainly can say more about that, but the Empowerment Dynamic represents the aspects of who we are when we are our best selves. And it's an antidote to what many people know as the drama triangle roles of victim, persecutor, and rescuer. So I am out to really create more of a sense of our best selves, our creator selves, and then specifically, how do coaches use this framework to increase awareness, to increase uh, both for ourselves as well as our clients, uh, to be you know, the best of who we want to be in service to the world. So I'll say that as a quick review of what I've been up to full-time in coach training, education, writing about the empowerment dynamic. So important and such good information. You know, I often teach leaders and leadership teams how to use some coaching as a leadership style and and to empower themselves as leaders. And and the concept of the empowerment dynamic, I'm I'm recommending Ted the book all the time. And, And just, you know, this is a tool and boy, does it resonate, right? I mean, we're caught in those roles and those scripted roles that we fall into and, and, until we realize, oh my gosh, that's that's something. And that's that's something that I don't want to be a part of, or that I've naturally just become a part of and, and that there's other choices. And that's what I love about the empowerment dynamic. Let's turn that triangle on its head. Let's give it a firm foundation and and switch it around. So when we think about how we are showing up with our clients and that relationship, that's really the crux of your new book. And I think I'd just like to open, be really broad with my question here. When you think about 
partnering with clients and paying attention to us showing up as our best, where should we start in our conversation? Yes, that is a big, broad question. Well, as I've worked with David around bringing the empowerment dynamic roles to the world, I decided about three years ago that I wanted to write a story about a master coach. And so the new book, Who Do You Want to Be on the Way to What You Want?, The main character is Sophia, master coach. She's coaching a very headstrong female CEO. So this dialogue between the reader, the narrator, hears not only the dialogue between Sophia and her client, but we also, this is something I really wanted to do is to get at your question. We also hear what's going on in Sophia's mind and heart as she is coaching RJ. We hear her concern about, is that the right question? We hear whether she's being too eager. We hear whether she's pushing enough. Is she pushing too much? And that is pretty unique, I think, out there in the coaching world. We talk about it a lot, but I really illustrated it and brought it to this book. So I'll start with that as a way to work with this, is that as a writer and a master coach, I decided to write a story about this this, uh, issue that we have as coaches. We want so much to be of service into the world, to be of service to our clients. And yet that very need can put so much pressure on ourselves that our internal dialogue with ourselves while we are coaching can really interrupt our ability to be present. So I'll start with that and see where else you want to go with this question. Well, and and that is exactly that, that concept of, you know, sometimes getting so twisted up in herself that the dynamic also of once we know that we're caught up in our head and we now are in the middle of our session and the client's not in the middle of the session, then we can begin sort of beating up on ourselves about that. And, and so I guess I would ask, what are some tips that you would have for dealing with that concept of full presence Mm-hmm. And getting, well, actually, I'm going to, it's full presence, but also you sort of deal with in your book, this inside out process that we yes. need to start within as the coach to be able to be the best we can for our clients. Yes. So thoughts about that? Well, we know that, don't we? Intellectually, we know right. that. But I think what your question is, how do we get there right. when our head takes over and we start thinking too much in the middle of the session? And that's why I love what Dr. Cartman illustrated with these three roles of when we are in conflict, whether it's conflict with ourselves in the moment or the outside world, we take on this victim, persecutor, rescuing mentality where we're beating ourselves up in the case that you just mentioned. So one of the first things I use in this dialogue, in this story, and as I coach coaches about this, is to activate your inner observer so that you can pause and take notice is something in your body telling you that you have just left the coaching space and you are now all about you and you're in your head. When we get that signal in our body or we hear our inner chatter, one of the first things to do, and it's a simple as we can is to take several deep breaths, as Sophia does many times in the story, allow our neurology to calm. 
And when we can do that, we have the capacity to self-observe and notice and name, is there one of those reactive roles that we're playing? Am I rescuing, doing too much? Am I over-controlling my client, persecuting? Or did I just beat myself up so much that I just disengaged and I feel like a victim to my own thinking? So all of that swirling around, once we get familiar with the roles, Meg, we can self-observe in the moment. And once we do that, there is a capacity then for us to notice it, name it, and suddenly it's like a gestalt. It, it starts disappearing. It doesn't have us any longer. We right. have it. And it's we been exposed. It. Yeah. Go. Exactly. It's been exposed. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, there is something in our consciousness that we're gradually learning more about with meditation, our self-observing, we can let it go. And now we're back to being present. So it's quite a journey. It takes practice. But that is, that's one of the reasons why I love the drama triangle shifts then to, ah, I can create what I want in this moment. I can learn to be a challenger. I can learn to coach. Those are the three primary roles of the empowerment dynamic. So it's quite a journey, right. lots of practice, lots of self-compassion, because this is a normal thing as human beings that we do. And we, we coaches don't think we should be normal. We should be superheroes in the desire to be of service. Well, and, and one of the things that does happen, and I loved that you laid this out, for example, like at the very beginning of the book, Sophia kind of goes through a past trauma that she had, a feeling betrayed by a leader that had hired her and had like, really, it was a very betrayed kind of situation, but how that sort of hijacks her and, and pulls her in. And so I would encourage everybody who's listening This is such an important piece. We all have situations that are triggers for us or have happened to us. We haven't been happy, happy, joy, joy all our lives. I mean, I'm sure we have many joys and many things that we can tap into what brings us joy. But the point being, just because we're coaches doesn't mean that we have lived these untouched lives. Hopefully, we certainly have so that we can be that much more human and connected with our clients. Um, I sort of went down a bunny trail there, but the, the point being that what do we need to tap into to know ourselves, I guess, is was where I was going with that. And I thought you did a lovely job sort of bringing that forward. Well, and that's why in the very first chapter, the reader gets to know what Sophia's trauma is as a professional coach, this loss this betrayal by this CEO that hired her and promised her and then immediately took it away. And of course, if you've been around coaching very long, you've had that happen to you. You know, So it becomes this thread. I wanted the reader to see Sophia as very real and that she experiences many of the same losses and disappointments that we all do. And that's the key is learn to love your drama and trauma which is a real principle as the book unfolds. And it's an epiphany for her as her coach and her mentor helps her to see that that's where the juice is. That's where the power is. When we can see the reason something traumatized us, something, a loss, I should say, and I'm now not Mm -hmm. speaking in terms of, of the trauma we know that now is very real and very deep, right? especially in our early ages, Uh, if we were violated. I'm speaking about the more general sense of loss. Right. And when we 
understand that loss and we can love it because we don't have a loss unless we care about something. We, we care about wanting to be of service. We care about our clients. And if things don't go the way we think they should, we have a sense of loss. And that is where we can learn to embrace it and love that. We can get on the other side of that commitment of why we care about it. And that's the path of where we most want to be. That's where our values are. So what I suggest in the book and in the story is rather than reject our loss, rather than suppress it, rather than look for a rescuer and numb it with extra wine or Sophia likes chocolate chip cookies in the book, be with it. Learn to expand your internal capacity to be with uncomfortable feelings. And as you go into that place, that's, that's where the flowers bloom and insight begins to arrive. Oh, so good. So what else would you recommend as, as tools that we use, um, just like you gave a beautiful example there, so that we can engage with our clients, understanding that we're not perfect and, and mm-hmm. we, might, we might go down a bunny trail or go down a path or, or get hijacked by something. Right. Well, one of the tools that Sophia recommends to RJ as they get to know each other and over a course of a number of coaching sessions, Sophia continues to gently outline the drama triangle roles and of victim, persecutor, rescuer. And at one point, she recommends to RJ to just notice and name them and to have fun with that. So RJ develops on her, on her phone, a little recording app and starts noticing and naming when those roles show up everywhere. So one of the reason that is such a tool to notice and name is, is that instead of being that, what we think we are that, which we see it and name it and notice it, we now have distance from it. In, in psychological terms, it's called subject-object. We're no longer subject to what we can notice and name. And it is a simple and yet very profound tool to allow people to disengage from being when when we slip so deeply into our reactive habits and our Mm -hmm. reactive thinking and, and get stuck racing around the drama triangle. One tool is to notice and name it. It is amazingly freeing. The second thing I would say, and I bet many of your guests speak about this, is self-compassion. And how self-compassion is a tool for me is to help people normalize their reactive behavior. One of the reasons the drama triangle and TED roles are so sticky, people Mm -hmm. remember them, is because they're somewhat archetypal. They're very linked to the Jungian roles uh, in psychology. And So people see themselves very quickly. Very quickly, yeah. Um, Why is that? Is because if something's archetypal, it's universal. And so people see it quickly and get it and understand it, which means it's normal. (laughs) If everyone does it, it means it's normal. So in order to have a friendly approach to our reactivity, we must make friends with ourselves. We must have compassion for those things that we do and everybody else does. So with that, we can lighten our heart. We can lighten 
our persecuting dialogue with ourselves, if we can notice it and name it, we immediately have a thawing of our of our more heavy emotions, which allows us to come back to be present with our clients. So important. And you brought up something that I had said right before we started interviewing that I wanted us to to talk about today, which is the concept of sharing information with our clients. Sophia makes a point to gently kind of bring in this information about the drama triangle. It's super helpful to RJ. RJ didn't have that information before Sophia brought it forward. And so I was talking to you about my concern that sometimes coaches are are so concerned about strictly staying in inquiry that they miss the aspect of the partnership and and potentially offering information that can be helpful to their clients. So I'm just wondering what your take is on that and what you would like to add to that. What my take is, is we got to be real. We've got to be authentic. And I do believe that the simpler we can be with the frameworks we share, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea of noticing and naming, the one I just spoke to about, the idea of noticing and naming is something that RJ found a transformity for herself. Excuse me, Sophia found mm-hmm. that. And she, she just said, this is something that's really been useful to me. You know, I'll share it with you. How does that land for you? She says that pretty constantly. You know, what, what's your sense of that? What does that yeah. land? So you still always, always leave the power of choice with your clients. And the simpler your frameworks, you know, rather than getting a big PowerPoint out, but just <laughs> something. And again, that's why I love the drama triangle and empowerment roles, because they're simple, they're easy to explain in two or three minutes. And the client then is always at choice of whether, oh, I want to learn more about that. Right. If it doesn't pique curiosity, you have a clue. So it's a balance. And I think uh, like everything, we want to be balanced. But the most important thing is to be authentic in your point of reference, Bang. Why are you sharing this? So important. If the point of reference is a genuine offering of here's something that might be useful to you, you know, that's an introduction based upon the intention of creating a place where our clients can lean into and step into. And if you have this very hard and fast rule of only inquiry, I love inquiry, especially inquiry into not knowing. So much inquiry is we think we're inquiring into something where our client's supposed to know. True inquiring is inquiring into the not knowing space, right? which is, you know, very, very powerful tool. It's one of the most important skills as coaches. But if we can offer something that accelerates insight, I mean, who are we but coaches who, by competencies, increase awareness. Mm-hmm. So the point of reference, if it is to increase awareness, lightly touched, I would say would be the area the characteristic. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your intention in sharing it? Doing it lightly, inviting and allowing the client to tell you whether it resonated or not. But again, so many times, and Sophia does this in the book, so many times we think they, our clients should go at a certain pace or they should have a certain response to the brilliance we just offered them. You know, and that's, <laughs> that's crossing the line then. 
Yeah. And not only is it crossing the line, but it's really taking away the power of what you're offering because it's coming from a place that isn't as powerful as genuine, authentic wanting to help move the client forward. Mm -hmm. You just shared another great technique, but I'd love for you to tell us about Tell Three Stories. Yes. So it was very clear that RJ in the story has a very expert mindset, meaning she likes to see the world black and white. She saw her team black and white and one particular team member, she's constantly complaining to RJ, excuse me, to Sophia in the coaching sessions. And Sophia gets a sense of this attachment to one way of thinking and recommends to RJ that she try telling three stories about this particular so-called problem staff person. RJ has no idea when Sophia recommends that. What do you mean tell three stories? So Sophia offers a modeling that, you know, wonder what's going on with your employee. Maybe this is happening. Maybe that's happening. Maybe something else is happening. You really don't know. RJ agrees, comes back to the next session and does make up. And that's the point here. We're making them up. Right. And she actually has some success being able to say, well, maybe this is happening or that's happening. So Sophia asks RJ, what was the usefulness about that? And RJ says that I really don't know what's happening. And so in that epiphany, the idea of asking a client to broaden their perspective, that's really what we're after here. Right. When someone is so attached to black and white thinking, and many leaders believe that their job is to be an expert, which tell three stories about whatever is happening, can lighten the heart, can lighten the attachment, can lighten that I know best mentality. And so, yeah, so I was telling before we got on that that actually happened to me with my uh, young son a few years ago, where he was very upset about something and thought he knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. And we had fun telling three stories about what else could be going on. And out of that, he got to giggling and laughing and lightened up and let go of how upset he was because he thought that he knew what was going on, which really wasn't the case. So as coaches, I think that's another tip in terms of we're not telling them what to do. We're offering an opportunity. And in this case, the principle of broadening your perspective. So how did that um, story land for you? Oh, it landed great. And, you know, one of the courses that I teach at UTD is cognitive coaching and those common cognitive distortions we can get caught in, like black and white thinking and and the concept of what else could be true. What else? You know, I mean, just and I just so I loved it. And I loved the concept of learning through story. We talked about the fact that the lessons learned when we learn them through story are so much more sticky. And so what I was thinking every time I read something or I did, I'm often thinking about my audience here, or I'm thinking about the coaches that I teach or the, just like how, how that story could be so sticky. So I I just appreciated the stickiness of so many of the things because Sophia was so, so relatable and was doing her personal transformation at the same time she was helping her client through transformation. It just, that duality 
and all the different relationships. I just would encourage all of you to think about how do you learn best? And if you learn best through story, this might very well be a story that you want to pick up. Well, um, one of the things about story is if it's a good story, it evokes emotion. And we know now from the memory centers in our brain is, is that when something is emotional to us and a whole range of emotion from glee and joy to sadness and grief, if um, that story evokes that emotion, we remember it longer. And we all have those moments where we remember a moment in a movie or a novel we wrote, we, we read, uh, that we really deeply remember over years sometimes. So I wanted to evoke emotion as a partner in the learning process, because so many times when we coach, we're told we should have this skill or that skill, or remember, you know, you might want to approach something this way. If we have emotion, it's going to stay with us longer uh, as who we are as coaches. And that's, that was my hope here in writing this is to offer, offer uh, insight to coaches about how we can be our best as coaches. So important. I cannot believe that our time is starting to, we're starting to get to the end of our time. We're not there yet, but I want to be sure just like we do in a good coaching conversation, right? So uh, Donna, if we, we only have a, about five minutes left, what do we want to be sure to share about the book that we haven't talked about yet? Or, or just about your many years in helping coaches be the best coaches they can be. Maybe something that you, want, that you covered that you want to be sure that we cover together. Hmm. Yeah, there is a, a point in the story where... Sophia really understands the idea of making friends with herself. And, you know, even in her 60s as a master coach, this has eluded her because of this internal dialogue. You know, oftentimes when we look at the, the drama triangle roles of victim, persecutor, and rescuer, we think that it's external. It's the outer circumstances that we feel persecuted by or whatnot. And the dialogue is written so that we really hear her internal persecuting, her yeah. internal rescuing, or wanting to disengage and step out back as a victim mentality. And that is really an epiphany, I believe, for many of us to realize that the external won't change at all, but we can still, in our inner DDT, inner drama triangle, stay there and when we learn to make friends with ourselves, that compassion that we spoke about, I mean, that's the pathway for us to move into understanding our true creator essence. So the, this is the victim to creator shift, this essence of our innate intelligence, who we as coaches call whole, resourceful, and complete. But Meg, I find many coaches believe that about everyone else, then don't necessarily believe it about themselves. Maybe intellectually, but down deep, when you right. really get to the deficient story, the drama story, there's something wrong with me. And when we can see and witness as Sophia begins to get that for herself, that's when um, everything shifts for her as a master coach. So I'd, I would say that's the main message I want to leave, Meg, is, is that make sure that you, as a coach, 
see yourself as whole, resourceful, and complete, that creator essence, just as you believe your clients are. And very truthfully, I would believe that somewhere, if, if you truly can't believe that about yourself, then, then in many ways, deep down, you have a hard time believing that about other people as well. I mean, I think that there's a mirror there. Which is really why we spend so much time pushing and controlling, sometimes very subtle as coaches. But if there's a hole in our heart, then yes, there's something wrong with us, even though it's a dirty secret and we're really not willing to own up to it. But if it's underneath our subconscious, that's going to be the driver that we meet our clients with that same, I got to fix it attitude. And it's up to me, which then means we coaches push, we control, and we overdo and leave the, that coaching space. That's really the crux of it, isn't it, Meg? Yeah. And I appreciate the work that you do bringing this forward, helping coaches be better coaches. Um, what what we can learn is, isn't this just a lifelong journey for, oh, for all of us? It's called and, being human. Well, <laughs> we can upgrade our system. And that's what I'm about is upgrading our reactive, unconscious ways of thinking and being into a more enlightened, ongoing capacity to love and relate to ourselves so we can be present fully with our clients. So important. So Donna, if people want to learn more about you and the work that you do, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yes. Our work is called the Center for the Empowerment Dynamic. If you Google that, you come right up and you can read uh, lots of articles. There's free stuff. Uh, The coaching course I'm kicking off in uh, mid-May is being offered and we're just about sold out. So we'll be offering another one this fall. We have a blog that every week I write about uh, tips on how to move out of the reactive drama roles into the empowerment dynamic roles. Uh, But I think the website is the best way to reach to reach me, Donna at Power of Ted via another way.com. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming back because Donna was with us, I think, in episode 42 and 44 is my guess, but I will have those links in the show notes. So it's been years because we're well into the high 200s now. So, so glad to have you come back and and for us to catch up as well. (laughs) Thanks, Meg. When I listened back to this interview, prepping it for the show today, I thought, Gosh, there was just so many great areas that we touched on. Just like when I tell my mentees uh, that I work with, you've got to listen back to your coaching because you will hear it differently when you're listening back to it than when you're actually in the moment of coaching. It's the same thing for my interviews. And when I listen back to them, I get so pumped about all the different things that my guests are bringing forward for you. And that was certainly the case with Donna's interview. So I want to thank Donna again for being on the show. If you'd like to know about more about Donna, about the work that she does, about her book, go to starcoachshow.com slash 287, starcoachshow.com slash 287. And learn more, pick up the links. And in addition to that, for her book, members only bonus question for this episode, Donna shared with us what we really need to be thinking about when we're setting goals with our clients. So that is gold nugget information that's going to be in the membership site that is launching soon. Now next week, 
I am very excited to welcome Laura Berman Fortgang to the show. Laura is a renowned author. She's a coaching pioneer, just like Donna, and is bringing her knowledge forward for us about how having a platform or a a methodology in your coaching really makes you that much more successful as a coach and being able to talk about what it is that what what you do. So this extremely popular been on the Oprah show as a coach is coming on the show next week. And I'm excited to introduce you to her. So be sure to come back. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a rate and review wherever you listen so that more coaches and other listeners can find the show. And until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching, for your relationships, for your happiness and joy. Have a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.